Hey everybody, my name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Super Jacob. I'm John, joined by David McDonald. It is Sunday, the 4th of June, 2023. This is episode 261. I'm talking like this because I'm hoping my daughter will be lulled to sleep by the beautiful sound of my voice. So, sort of like, uh, I should be presenting a different sort of program here, David. You put me to sleep. Ah, we're starting off a little humor. Uh, we're good. I'll tell you what. Uh, just got done watching Dominion. What? A- let me guess. Let me guess. New Japan is back, baby. The battle is over. We have won. <laughs> that, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm in that. I'm in that. I'm in that realm. I'm in that world. I'm in that. Uh, I'm in that mindset. I, I, that show is. Was- I'll tell you how I know that we're back, Damon. Is that the 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 um bad faith quote retweets of people who definitely don't watch are starting to roll in again. So they're rattled. <laughs> And that that's a, the best sign that we're cooking again. <laughs> uh, it's well, I don't understand why anybody would like. Wh- why would you comment on something that you didn't even see? <laughs> it would be like, right? I'm not a Star Wars fan. It would be like me thinking, right? I have not watched, I don't know, the latest season of The Mandalorian. I've got no interest in it. But I'm going to seek out some people on Twitter who watched it and liked it and are talking about it and just quote retweet them saying oh well a new hope was better than this this is shit this new stuff uh, boba fett he was the best mandalorian this new guy's rubbish <laughs> you seem to know a lot about star wars <laughs> for a guy who really doesn't like star wars <laughs> expose myself there <laughs> a little bit um look, i mean look i'm not gonna tell what people to like and what not to like but you're a dope if you're like commenting on shit you didn't even say the and he, and here's the thing too. You can like what you like. That's fine. I mean, everybody's got an opinion, right? Uh, 
We just happen to have the microphone. Oh, for correct opinions, <laughs> listen to the Super J cars. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. we've got the microphones and we're right. <laughs> correct. That is absolutely correct. There's no doubt. Uh, that show was fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm buzzing a little bit from it. Just, just top to bottom. The buzz is buzzable. The buzz is buzzable. Let's bring that back. Let's dust that fucker right off. Because I, I tell you, I haven't felt this good about New Japan in quite a long time. And I know that every time we come out of a, a, a big show that delivers, you know, we're kind of in that boat and we're kind of, you know, okay, here we go. But like this, this, this was good. This was really good, this show. Top to bottom. I, I really can't think of a, of a match that didn't deliver for me. I, I loved everything. I really did. And I and I know that we were pretty notorious even even inside the uh the hollowed halls of New Japan Pro Wrestling of being uh, a little little negative on things and uh ruffling feathers. But uh I I'll tell you what, I got nothing but positivity going into this. Nothing but positivity. Love where we're going. Okay, well, what did you think of the kickoff match, the five-minute time limit gauntlet, the Young Line consecutive battle match with uh, Oscar Loiber drawing against Ryohei Oiwa, drawing against Oleg Bolton, and then losing to Yuto Nakashima at two minutes, 55 seconds by Boston Crab? Analyze this match, Damon. Okay. Oh, no, wait, we can't, oh, wait. because no one's allowed to watch it. <laughs> well, yes, but I was going to do it anyway, just to kind of <laughs> tag on our theme. This match sucked, man. <laughs> Why would they... Have that. Why would they have these guys? <laughs> Shut up. I like the bit when uh, Oscar's trunks fell over and then uh, Oiwa pooed himself yep. and then Oleg Bolton fell in the poo and then Yuto Nakashima started revolving at 7,000 revs per minute and just couldn't be stopped. <laughs> I don't think he sold it that well, though. Uh, you know? And that's important. You got to sell. Got to sell the poop. Got to s- sell the stool, as they say. Who says that? No one says that. <laughs> Oh, I tell you, give me your overall thoughts on this show. Just like, I know we're going to get into it. Let's just, just kind of skim the surface. Give me your feelings on this show. Uh, it's brilliant. I mean, in terms of in ring, I thought the quality was very high. I don't know if there's anything that's going to be making the match of the year shortlist come the year end awards. But in terms of just newsworthy events and setting the table for the summer, at the very least, if not, you know, there's, there's stuff that happened that I could see going all the way to Wrestle Kingdom. Just tick, tick every box. That's what Dominion should be, getting you excited. And especially with the big events around the corner, like the G1 and Forbidden Door, we are uh, champing at the bit to um, enjoy these uh, excellent stories play out. Like I said, name a better book company than this. You can't. Yeah. You cannot. The, the fucking balls, you know, it would have been very, very easy for New Japan to just play it safe and have at the top of these cards Okada and Naito and Shingo and Osprey and Tanahashi or whatever. But they haven't done that. They've taken a lot of risks. And I mean, the attendance today was what, just a shade over 7,000? Mm. You know, maybe with some sexier matches with more established names on top, maybe they would have, would have done a bigger number. Who knows? But I applaud the courage that they're showing in saying no we're not going to play it safe we're going to take some risks and push some new talent and 
think about the future, which has not necessarily been the case during the pandemic. And I understand why, but it's just really exciting to say this this is a whole new landscape like 2023 has been a complete reset for new japan and emblematic in this dominion show yep it's 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 awesome to me that that this company as you said has the balls right let's 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 make sure we get this uh going here this man got the fucking balls yeah thank you very much um the I like the fact that they are starting to reap what they have sowed with all the talent that they have mined over the pandemic. Like, like, like these people that New Japan has said, okay, we're going to invest in you. Now we're going to start cashing in on that. I, I couldn't be more thrilled. And you're right. It, it does feel like, okay, maybe some of the people that brought a lot of eyes to the product are in a different role, but they're still in interesting roles. They're still in roles that, uh, you know, I, you're not, they're not just dust in the wind and just, you know, flying away to never be heard again. It's, they're, they're still in the mix. Um, The hardest thing to do, and I say it a trillion times, the hardest thing in pro wrestling to do is to make new stars. It's, you know, it's, it's, but while it is the hardest thing, it's the lifeblood of any promotion that runs regularly, right? Like making new stars. And trust me, like, the people who parachuted in, uh, you know, AJ Styles and all that, you know, just that's, I mean, that's new to them, but that's, you know, kind of what they know. And I'm sure there might be people that are parachuting in now, getting into New Japan now and seeing this for the first time and like, okay, these are my guys, right? Everybody hates change and everybody hates uh, the evolution of not only pro wrestling, but of everything, of life, right? Uh, your sports teams, the evolution there, your favorite players not having it anymore and, and needing to take a step back and or re- retire. That happens. Um, I I think the energy and the new focus that New Japan has, uh, you know, you, here's the good news is that you guys are in on the ground floor of this. You're you're in it, right? <laughs> and I can't think of a more exciting. This is like having a team that young, talented, uh, exciting, and then, you know, watching that team take ne- the next step into championship rounds or playoff rounds or whatever. Like that to me is the most exciting time in sports and it translates very well in pro wrestling. Absolutely. Like uh, the opening episodes of a new TV series or uh, something like that. I mean, I'm just looking through the cards and yeah, you know, we do have the big names on it, but we've got Will Ospreay, curtain jerking. We've got Naito, 
still one of their biggest stars in a, an eight-man tag match in the second match on the cards. We've got Okada with the Never Openweight six-man championship. Shingo also in the, the eight-man tag match. So, yeah, some, some gutsy moves there. And, you know, you're talking about change. I think a lot of people are resistant to that. And I, I, I suspect it's people who aren't actually watching, people who see the new Bullet Club lineup and think, oh, this is rubbish because it's not. AJ and Devitt and Kenny Omega, and it was better then. You know, they've got no idea who any of the people in it are now. Or um, people who look at the number of people in the grade one climax changing and thinking, oh, you know, it was better when I was watching it and it was this number because of this number. Blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, there, there is a lot of resistance to change. But I think the people who, like us, you know, who've been following it regularly, we've been crying out for a lot of these changes. We have bemoaned the, the stale booking and the repetitive predictable patterns that New Japan got. And now they've thrown all that out the window. I've got no idea what's going to happen next. And I love it. I mean, a lot of our predictions are spot on and some of them are completely off kilter. And that's that's really refreshing and exciting. I don't like being able to predict everything that happens correctly. I like to be kept guessing and have surprises and twists and turns. As long as they make sense, you know, not for the sake of it. And yeah, a company that's taken uh, a lot of bold steps to make new stars which you know can't be said for all companies at the moment. I mean, just look at WWE. They're really struggling to make stars at the moment, just relying on the same names again and again and again. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a scary process and an uncertain process, and not everything's going to land. They are going to put their faith behind some people who might leave or get injured or not turn out to be any good, uh, but that's all part of the process, isn't it? You, you have to take risks. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather them take risks that don't land than just kind of do the same over and over and over again. Even if the same, you know, worked at that time. Like, that was such a long time ago. <laughs> like, you know, those those years. And the people who complain about Bullet Club, I mean, come on. Like, it, I, there, I don't think there was a year that went by that there weren't changes and people moving in. Like, like if you're gonna die on that hill, boy, oh boy, what a weak ass argument that! Like it's just crazy to me that somebody would get upset over Bullet Club changing. It's just odd stuff. Damon, <laughs> there are some people, some actual real people, who are out on the streets saying that what is it, Bullet Club Gold or whatever they Jay White and Juice are calling themselves in AW is like fresher and better and more exciting than, than what we're getting at the moment. What? <laughs> In yeah. what, what I mean, there's, there's actual opinions from people. Oh, you know, oh, it's scary. It's scary that, that those people can reproduce and vote. <laughs> that's, that's frightening to me. <laughs> oh my God. Well, look to each their own, I guess, but, uh, I'll I'll stick with this. I'll stick with this right now. And, and here's the thing: Bullet Club, a a faction that, oh, how tired were they? How just like just what you want? Fucking Carl Anderson back? <laughs> you want you want to you want to see Doc Gallows again? Oh, fucking a. Yujiro, you need you need a little bit more Yujiro in there. Come on, the fuck. Yeah, but I, I want to know what iteration of Bullet Club that these people think was the best one. I think I suspect there's like this kind of um, 
halcyon uh, image in people's minds of a bullet club that's got Devitt and AJ and Kenny and Jay White and that's Bullet Club like all of the best guys having you know five six seven star matches every week and they kind of made this idealized image of Bullet Club in their mind and then they look at the people who are in it now and be like well that's not the thing that I saw a a 15 second gif of on Reddit this is rubbish I don't know who these people are (laughs) it's I can't I, I know to me this this is the freshest most fun, most interesting uh, Bullet Club has been in, God, years, years. I, I don't, I mean. It's only as good as the people who are in it, right? The bullet, it's just a, a t-shirt. It's a logo. Like, it doesn't matter what it's called or what the logo is. I know people, oh, they should just, you know, get rid of the Bullet Club and rebrand or something. I mean, who cares what they're called? They could call themselves the fuckheads for all I care. And it, it doesn't matter. It's only as good as the people that are in it and the promos that they cut, the stories they tell, the matches they wrestle. So that's that's what we should be judging it on. Why, why are we talking about Bullet Club? <laughs> we really got ahead of us. <laughs> I know, but, but I think that's, that's like a, a, a good example of the discourse at the moment. And the fact that there is discourse, you know, the discourse uh, a couple of years ago was, oh, look, at the, nobody's talking about this big New Japan show. Now um, we're, we're back to the glory days of um, the bad faith arguments of people who are want to talk about it because the, the buzz is back. Yep. The buzz is back. You know, it's, uh, uh, you know, not that, not to, to beat the dead horse, but it's uh, bullet club thing, you know, instant credibility. I, I've talked about it before. I mean, if the t-shirt means anything, it's instant credibility. And we're talking about guys who, all right, look at like, like, like Alex Coughlin, right? I, I mean, he, he, the guy was a fucking robot. For months, <laughs> right? He was he was the, uh, just come on, you know. It, it didn't fucking land, and they knew it. But you, the minute you put the T-shirt on the dude, and now he has that 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 uh, kind of I don't know side-eyed look. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. He's a new person. He's now interesting to me. He's now he's, he's terrifying. He's a, it's like a fucking lunatic, right. and yeah, but much easier to take seriously much more effective now in this uh new change of paint that he's got than the guy who was coming out with the robot arms agree right i mean you got freshness and young fresh and young talent and young like to me like i i'll i'd rather see this any fucking day of the week over you know a, a, a fucking carl anderson doc gallows even like you know, just I know people like Kenny and the Bucks and all that. You know, it's just the nostalgia. Right. It's the member berries. Oh, I remember when. Remember this. Like that was years ago. It wasn't very good. <laughs> it was, it was 2018 yeah. when we had the Bucks and Cody and Hangman and Ken. a lot of people didn't like it. It was really goofy and silly. There were plenty of complaints back yeah, then. There really was. There was there's tons of complaints. Um, it's. It's it's just an amazing thing, but anywho, I, I know we, we spent too much time talking about Bullet Club, but um, uh, look, it's to me it's it's a re- nice, refreshing, cool breath of fresh air. Um, just a quick 
off topic here. Jay Johnson says, comment from the podcast, uh, FPL Fantasy Premier League related. Thanks for doing your mini league again this year. Very happy to have finished first in it. So, mm. uh, yeah, thank you for everyone who took part. Show Do off. you partake in any fantasy sports? Well, yeah, I know, right? If, if he'd finished bottom, would he be writing in? He's <laughs> just gloating. Yeah. Um, where did I finish? I think I finished second, but uh, it was a, a very hard-fought race. I've enjoyed my fantasy football this year. I've been uh, listening to a podcast on it, actually, called FML FPL. That's been very entertaining. Um, have you done any fantasy sports this year? <laughs> Me? <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Yeah. I mean, I was in – I in. I am in a – currently in an NHL keeper league um, where you, you get to protect certain people, and, and that's your team, and – um, and then, and then the draft is a bid. It's an auction style bid for the players instead of just, you know, okay, your turn to pick, pick your guy. No, you got a bid on people. <laughs> that's, which is pretty intense. Uh, so that's one. And then I'm in like two other ones, hockey related, not in a baseball one, but I'm, I'm sure I'll be in a, in a football, American football one when the season starts. Yeah. No, I love fucking fantasies i really do <laughs> I, I i i love it um because I, here's the thing too i like being in a fantasy league where i don't necessarily follow the league as intently as i do others so like a baseball one would be kind of good because then i can i have a reason to watch you know i have a reason to watch the fucking brewers and the ranger or whatever um so no, I, I I definitely am, um, and again I'm I'm into the I like the sports betting too. I am into that a bit. Uh, right, that's all the off-topic stuff I've got. Let's uh, get into this Dominion show. Then, what what do you think of the attendance? Then seven thousand, good number. I mean, I think it's different. If I, and I don't know if it is or it isn't, but it feels different um, society-wise. Is that what I'm looking for? Um, Post-COVID, like it just feels like people were more anxious and willing, and you know, let's yeah, fuck it, let's just do, do what we got to do here in the states as opposed to Japan. I could be well off base, but it. Does I, I just just for context? This is uh, one th- about a thousand more than last year. Last year was just over six thousand. Right. So. Right. Um, so it. I mean, I think everything is going to you know kind of grow incrementally. It's not like people can just flick the flick the switch and 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 I don't know remove thoughts of danger in their head. Um, it's a little disappointing. A little disappointing. Um, I don't. I don't. I, I'd be. Wasn't there a typhoon too? Like, wasn't it like just kind of weird getting yes. getting around? Yeah, that may have affected things. Yeah, I mean, people might have seen that and think, ah, you know, what? I'm not going to make the trip. Right. Right. Uh, and again, I'm not making excuses, but um, that that could play a factor as well. Um, look, it's seven thousand people, and I'll take seven thousand people. You know, I'll take I'll take that because um, even though it felt like it was um, and it's not that this is not an odd thing. This is not a new thing, but it did feel like the crowd was into some things 
And then other things, they just kind of like, you know, may have cooled off a bit. Yes, it peaked very high, but there were some moments where stuff was happening. I was like, (laughs) they're not reacting to this at all. But uh, we'll get into some of that. I I think it is worth touching on these young line matches um, that no one is allowed to see. It's against the law. I said to you on on WhatsApp, this is like the Ark of the Covenant. If anyone outside of the arena dares to lay eyes on one of these young line consecutive battle matches, the, the skin, their eyeballs will melt, the skin will slough off their faces and the end of life as we know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why why they are doing this, but we've had Oiwa, who's failed at one. We've had Oscar, who's failed at one. Um, Yuto Nakashima looks like he's already won one and has consumed 200,000 yen's worth of yakiniku already. <laughs> um, I assume he, he he's going to go next and he's going to lose as well. I'm kind of thinking that this could be a vehicle for then Oleg Bolton to have a crack at it and win and, you know, maybe get that, TV title championship opportunity and that could you know that could be his graduation who knows but the fact that they're not televising any of these makes me question that do you think there's an end game here or do you think they're just doing stuff uh, I mean you would think that that if they were going to do anything um, with this kind of program that something would be televised right um I guess, but here's the thing, though. If they do televise it, it's just got to be... They, they can't even announce it, because if they announce it, then they tip the, their hand, you know? Like, if they say, okay, we're going to air this one. Oh, okay, well... <laughs> it seems like this guy is in a good position right, to win this uh, one. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't gotten any clarity on why... This is what it, why it is what it is. Maybe it's a sponsorship thing. Maybe they I I I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, in this day and age, it's pretty. It's pretty funny scrambling and trying to get results and trying to get you know over over this. <laughs> Texting people in the building saying, "What happened? Right. <laughs> How did Oscar get on? Have you got any photos?" Right. Right, right. It's like, it feels like I'm back in the 90s. Let's go. It's going to be tape trading. <laughs> like Zapruder footage. Of- I know, seriously. We got we to gotta, uh, gotta get somebody there with a, with a, with a small camera uh, so that they, we can sell some bootlegs. Puff of smoke behind the grassy knoll. No way, it's not a puff of smoke. It's Yuto Nakashima's lovely hair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Sorry, caught me mid-drink. Ah. Oh. Yeah, we can rob right. well, that. <laughs> uh First match then, no time limit, IWGP US Heavyweight Championship. Number one contenders, tournament final, Will Ospreay defeating Lance Archer in eight minutes and one second with a hidden blade. So Will Ospreay is the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship number one contender and will presumably go on to face Kenneth Omega. It's uh, Forbidden Door, I think that's going to be, which will be, what, Kenny's second defense of that belt, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Yep. Um, I, I, this was perfect for what it was. I, it exceeded my expectations. I was worried about Archer. I thought it was going to be, you know, lumbering walk and brawl, but it wasn't. And I was really impressed with the, the intensity and the athleticism and the the dangerous spots that they did. And, you know, it was the perfect length for me. 
I don't want to say Lance has still got it, but he, he delivered here. No complaints about this one. No complaints. No. I, I, and speaking of no complaints, Joel, I'm looking at uh, my ticker, my sports ticker. I see Arsenal uh, winning 5 nothing. I believe, I saw. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Last day of the season, that was a nice way to uh, end things. We had a, a player who is most likely going to be leaving, Granite Xhaka. And I knew that, because that would probably be his last Arsenal game, especially at home, that he would be amongst the goals. He'd be charging forward, desperate to get a goal. So I put him in my fantasy football team. Um, not a very highly rated player in terms of scoring goals, but he scored twice. Oh. So I was feeling very smug at the end of that for my brilliant foresight in in, in picking him. But yeah, well done. Good well stuff. Done. Good job. Proud of you. All right. Uh, back to this show. Um, you know, we had our reservations, right? We talked about Lance and, and Will and... Well, they did it in G1. That was pretty great. And, well, that was a long time ago. And Well, fuck us. Because guess what? Lance Archer delivered. Like, from the opening bell. Talk about a match that set a fucking tone. Jesus. Yeah, it's like a sprint, wasn't it? It really was. It, it was. And, again, Will just bumping like a madman, taking all these power moves. And I'll say this. And an un- underrated base as well, because he was catching. Lance was doing a lot of dangerous stuff, and Will was there to catch him. And Lance Archer is not a small man, no. so I want to applaud Will Osprey for making sure that Lance wasn't landing on his head. Yeah, yeah, because trust me, there's a lot of wrestlers that might not have been as uh, uh, willing to to do that. Let's put it that way. Um, I loved it. I thought this match was fantastic. Look, I know that we all went into this thinking that Lance Archer has zero shot of winning, but I bet I bet on the blackout. Me too. There was a little bit of me that was like, oh, is, are they going to do that? Are they going to do Lance versus Kenny to annoy everyone? Right. right. Yay. Let me ask you this. You got a guy who would absolutely fill a role that is, I think, needed in New Japan. And that is of the that monster type wrestler. Now Hikaleo is that guy, and I put in air quotes, but Lance Archer is, I think is miles ahead of Hikaleo, right? Yeah, I d I don't think Hikaleo is that guy. I think Hikaleo is a, a good young wrestler who just happens to be very tall. He's not a monster. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't wrestle like it anyway. Um I would have zero problems, zilch problems, having Lance Archer back in the fold. I I really think he's not doing anything in AW is no. he? He's barely used. No, he's. I mean, like year. Well, I don't even. Was it two years ago? He had that little thing with, uh, and Jake Roberts was his manager and shit. Um, yeah, I mean that was that's that's long gone, and I, I haven't used him. Um. I'm telling you, I would have no problem bringing him back because he 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 never dogs it um, in a New Japan ring, and given the right opponents, like he's he has really good fun matches. I got no, I would bring him back in a heartbeat. Bring him back in a heartbeat. 
we've changed our tune, haven't we? We sure have. <laughs> Before this match happened, we were like, oh, he's cooked. Why are they wasting this one? Him and that, like, sign him up. <laughs> Bring it back full time. We want to see him week in, week out, every Road 2 show. Yep. Yeah. I want I want him in. I, I tell you what, I want him in G1. I was kind of, I don't know, a little disappointed, but, you know, um, I don't, I don't mean to spoil it for anyone, but Lance Archer is not in G1. Um, it's, uh, I look again, I don't want him here fucking road two shows, but like in, in, in moments like this, I got, I got no problem with a Lance Archer. That's for sure. Second match was, uh, LIJ team of Titan, Bushi, Shingo Takagi and Tetsuya Naito defeating the just five guys team of Takamichinoku, Doki, Yoshinobu Kadamaru and Taichi. And it was Titan who got the submission win over Taka after 9 minutes, 24 seconds with the uh, Yave, Yave, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm so sorry, uh, Immortal. So I think it was a nice way to sort of put a bow on Titan's outstanding Best of the Super Juniors tournament by giving this win. I mean, not a huge win or anything, but I think a good way to celebrate that. Yeah, this is a, a serious wrestler who has done a lot of heavy lifting in making other guys look very, very good and has often sort of flown under the radar, maybe doesn't often get the flowers he deserves, but we want to throw some love for Titan. And look, hey, maybe he will get his rematch with Hiromu. I mean, he pinned him during the tournament. So imagine that, like if uh, he has a match with Hiromu for that title in Mexico. That would be awesome. Yeah, so I hope they do follow up on that. Um, I don't know, it's not a huge amount to discuss with the rest of this match. Um, looking at sort of directions for Shingo and Naito going into G1. I have some predictions for Naito. Not really sure what Shingo could be doing. And also looking at potential challenges for Taichi's KOPW. I don't know if that's going to be one of these LIJ people. It's, it's unclear at the moment. But Well, I will say that, that Shingo, Shingo does seem to be... Uh, looking at a, a program with with Finley, right? Um, like I, we kind of see that coming, right? Uh, yeah, I agree with that. That was definitely hinted at. They were glaring daggers at each other. Don't, maybe they might be in the same G one climax mm. block. Both tough guys. Why not? Why not have a, a tough guys block? That would be cool, wouldn't it? I like it. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. So it's. I mean, the match was 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 good. It was fine, you know, but again, it's, it's LIJ and they know how to, I mean, how many, I always I just wonder how many sing, like singles matches, Jesus Christ, how many multi-man faction tag matches they've actually been in. Like, I would love somebody to count the number of times that, 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 that they have been in the same ring together. It's probably, I'm going to set the over under number at, 500. Have they been in the ring 500 times, Joel, do you think? Um, just what, any combination of any LIJ guys. Yeah. What we're saying, it's sort of more more than a two versus two. Correct. Uh, should we get Chris Amson to <laughs> work it out for us? Right. Yeah. Well, we'll hear it on his new podcast. <laughs> what? Huh? I don't know. What? Good Lord. Right. Um, I, t- I tell you, it's a grind. It is a grind. I mean, how long have we been doing this? Five years? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I, I'm, like I said, 500. I'll, I'll set 500 if somebody could do the math for us because I'm too lazy to fucking do it. But I bet you it's – I'll, I'll take the over. I'll take the over of 500. If, I mean, you figure – Okay. They, all right, so th- How many events are there per year? Right. I mean, you figure okay. – 52 weeks in a year. Right. Uh, if we're sort of averaging it out to – Three? With all the tournaments and stuff, like – one event per week? Does it shake out like that or more than that? I think more than that. Let's do two. Let's call it two. All right. So we're talking roughly 100 shows per year. And LIJ's been around since, was it 2016? Yeah. 16 or 17, yeah. Are we still recording? Yeah. Yes, we are still recording. Yeah, so uh, that's then 2016 to 17, 18, 19, So... Seven years, hundred shows, seven hundred. Yeah, I. Mm, I would say, what did what was your guess? Five hundred. I said I said over five hundred. I'll take five oh one. Okay, I would go under that, but not not by much. Okay. All right, somebody do the math for us for this exciting bit that we're doing here on the record. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, third match was the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match where the challengers, Catch 2-2, Francesco Acura and TJP, defeated the champions, the intergalactic jet setters, Kevin Knight and Kushida. After 10 minutes, 38 seconds, it was uh, Acura that pinned Kevin Knight following the 2-2. And yeah, as we predicted, they have become the champions once again. And the right move, I mean, I understand why they took the belts off them and you know established Kevin Knight and... Uh, gave him a bit of shine. I personally, I would have preferred them to keep it and break that record. I think they deserve that. But all the same, it's good to see them keep the titles, and it was a, a great match. You know, they did pack as about as much as you could into a um, a ten minute junior tag match, third in the show. And I suppose the main talking point coming out of this is the swerve, the turn of one driller Dan Maloney, mm-hmm. who came out with his boys. And he's been laying it on really thick, throwing the crowns up every five seconds. And Kevin Kelly did a great job on commentary saying how dedicated he was to the United Empire cause. He could have gone home, but he wanted to stay longer and cheer on his boys. And then we get Clark Connors coming out at the end and Maloney with the attack from behind. And the the best kinds of swerves are the ones where you think, ah, fuck, I should have seen that one coming. Yeah. And it made all the sense to the world. And look, the, the best thing I can say about this swerve, this turn, is that I'm not sure whether it was planned or not. I mean, it could be something that they have changed direction on on account of Ishimori being injured because I sort of predicted before the best of the Super Juniors that I thought Clark and Ishimori would be junior tag challengers. But if it was a, a late change in direction, what a great stroke of luck it was to have Clark versus Dan Maloney on their final block mm. night and have that amazing together where uh, no one got pinned. It was a count out in the end. So you could definitely see the the logic in that and that sort of playing into this story and I think from the start a lot of people said you know why is Dan Maloney in United Empire they've they've already got loads of juniors it's very crowded in there he would have been a better fit for Bullet Club and just the aesthetics as well of Clark and Dan together just a real pair of grimy lads two absolute scummers and and I like it I'm really excited they look great together I'm looking forward to the inevitable match between the four of them i thought it was a, a brilliantly executed turn yeah yeah it was strong and i think um 
the idea of a, a new guy, you know, he's in a faction. And sometimes I, I get a little concerned when it feels like it's a quick turn, right? We're just getting familiar with him. And then all of a sudden there's a turn. And, you know, how are we supposed to be invested in that? Um, but I thought they did it well. I thought they did, you know, I thought the execution of it was fine. Um, and you're right. I think it's, I'm I'm sorry, but I think it's, it, it is very easy to do. You just give the fuckers a t-shirt and away we go. Um, I think the one thing that kind of stuck out for me wasn't even necessarily the turn. It was uh, listening to uh, the, the the call from Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly specifically mentioned how kind of fucking dog shit Kushida has been. And I don't mean that in a uh, he can't wrestle kind of way. I mean that in, you know, just he's been a dud coming back. Like he's just been sputtering. Um, and I, and I wonder if that is a little seed being planted, uh, for Kushida to do something a little bit more interesting than, than what he's doing right now. Um, that, that it was a great bit of misdirection, wasn't it? Cause I think a lot of people were listening to that thinking, oh, maybe Kushida's going to turn and join Bullet Club. And then that sort of made the Maloney thing pop a bit more. I guess. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't think anybody necessarily saw it coming and, you know, maybe I'm. I was just blind to it. I. I mean, I thought it was done well, and you're right. It just. It's. A, it's. It instantly fit. <laughs> like. Like it, it was like instant. Oh, of course, these guys should be in Bullet Club together because you're right. They are just like scumbaggy, <laughs> and and quite quite perfect for the role. Yeah, they both really fit that the vibe of Bullet Club of sort of hungry young guys with a chip on their shoulder who are out there to prove themselves. So, oh, like the original uh, yeah. one? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's funny that, isn't it? I was just saying that earlier, that this is really true to the roots of the original Bullet Club, which was, you know, angry foreigners who were the point to prove, wasn't it? Who pissed off at everyone because they feel that they've been passed over. Right. Not, um, you know, indie superstars yucking it up and selling T-shirts. Yep. This, this is... This is what it's all about. This is what Bullet Club was from day one. Correct. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Yes, people. Yes. Okay. Uh, fourth match then. 50-minute time limit. NJPW World TV Championship match. Zack Sabre Jr. with his ninth defense against the challenger, Jeff Cobb. It took him eight minutes and 46 seconds with the mother of all crucifix pins. I mean, the match was very good. It wasn't as good as a time limit draw. Still very, very good. I love the sort of contrast and the chemistry between them. But you know the way a great finish can make an otherwise, I don't want to call it a forgettable match, but a, a, a solid to good match make you sort of look back favorably and thinking, oh, yeah, that was a four-star match. That counter from Tour of the Islands into the crucifix yeah. pin thing of beauty and just the kind of spot that can only happen between these two guys so bravo for that and i was a little surprised that um, jeff cobb was defeated in eight minutes i mean this is brilliant that this is not just another 40 minutes and 30 seconds special from zach i love that 
this only, you know, didn't even go 10 minutes. We need to have more of that because I don't think it's, it's not that it hurt Jeff Cobb. But I don't think anyone's thinking, wow, you know, he couldn't even last nine minutes with Zach. You know, nobody cares about that. So a step in the right direction in terms of um, mixing it up with the how long these matches take to finish. And a lot of interesting questions with Zach going forward into Forbidden Door. Now he's still got that title. There's been some teases of something with Samoa Joe, which is very interesting. I will be keen on that. Uh, and obviously... Brian Danielson is not going to be the uh, immediate direction for Forbidden Door, but you know, hopefully time is on our side and we can get to lots of interesting cross-promotional programs with Zack Sabre Jr. Because I think one of the wonderful things about this TV title is that he is defending it against people from other promotions. So um, cannot complain about the result. It's not like we were thinking, oh, it's really stale. You know, we need to get the belt off and put, put it on someone else. It's been a, a, a tremendous reign, even though it's only the first one for the belt. Yeah, it's... Here's what I like. Um, the fact that that these guys are so talented that they can make a title their own. And I know the booking has a lot to do with it, the kind of the, the, the direction and so forth. But, 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 you know, you can only go so far with the booking itself. Like, and, and here's the thing, too. A lot of times the ideas aren't the problem. It's the execution of those ideas that is the problem. Coming up with ideas, uh, you know, we do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the execution of those ideas is what sells the fucking tickets. Um, and this, they find a way to make every one of these titles have a different feel and a different look and a different vibe. And that falls almost entirely, almost entirely, on the people holding those titles. Um, Zach is, 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 is amazing. An amazing talent. Not just in the ring, but making that title his own. This title is meaningless. Let's be honest. Like, it's the TV title. What TV? On Roku? You know what I mean? Like, okay, like, I don't know. Who cares? Who cares what it's signifying? I got to be honest with you. It's a fucking piece of, uh, you know, whatever it is. What is it made out of? I don't know. Metal and leather. We'll just leave it at that. Um, That's it. That's all it is. But yet we have guys that and young ladies who can make their titles feel like the most important thing in the world. And and for that, I think Zach is underrated. Like, everyone loves the cool moves, and everyone loves the funny, uh, you know, post-match comments. And everybody, like, him being able to do what he's done with a, 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 a quite honestly, is a, on the surface, a meaningless title. He's able to take it. Let's put it this way. What Zach has done for the TV title, can you say the same thing for, oh, I don't know, Kenny Omega? You know what I mean? Like, has Kenny Omega done anything with the U.S. title? Anything. Has he elevated it in in any way? Just having his name associated with it? Does anybody even know he has this title at this point? Like, 
it's 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 a night and day kind of thing. And uh, he's a treasure. He's a treasure. I'm so glad that back. Oh God, how long ago was it? That 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 tournament. <laughs> him and Coda were able to just walk away from from good old Hunter and say, no, this isn't for me. Thank the Lord. Amen. Amen to that, Damon. Uh, let's move on to the next match, which was the fifth match, the IWGP Tag Team and Strong Openweight Tag Team Championship three-way match where Bishamon, Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto defeated the challengers. Well, no, what challenge? It was a vacant title. Uh, Aaron Hanari and Great Okan, Holy Seaman Army, and House of Torture, Yujiro Takahashi and Evil. So Goto pinned Yujiro after 30 minutes and 15 seconds with the Shoto. So Bishamon are once again the new tag team champions. Nature is healing. Very happy about that. And I want to read a tweet from our friend John Carroll who said, that was a lot of fun. Presumably, AW fans watching were confused as to why all the interference spots happened in one match instead of the entire undercard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We, we love you really, AW fans. I, I hope I'm not annoying you. But um, yeah, I thought this was a lot of fun. We we knew what we were going to get. We knew we were going to get all the interference and the cheating. And the way that it is self-contained to lower to mid-card stuff is absolutely fine. I quite like it. I find it entertaining. And I thought this made for a very fun and exciting closing stretch. I found it very unpredictable. There were a few moments where I genuinely thought Yujiro was going to steal it. Um, I enjoyed Okan and Hanare doing a tribute to Katsuyo Kitamura. That was very touching. And yeah, they kept me guessing. And, and I definitely think it's the right move to have the titles back on Bishamon, who are underrated uh, uh, tag team and I hope they get their love at the end of the year, even though I think it would have been quite funny to have it on House of Torture going into Forbidden Door just to <laughs> annoy the AW fans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the match? Yeah. Uh, I mean, here's, the, you know, I, I think everybody knows our feelings about mindless interference and just overbooking and all that stuff. And, you know, House of Torture was... Really, the uh, focal point when it came to that and all that we've 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 talked about that. I feel like too much sometimes. That being said, the interference was over the top. The as we call it, the bullshit was was prevalent. But at the end of the day, like the. You know, they both teams, you know, kind of fought through it and made the most of that situation. Um, and you know, wound up winning. Uh a lot of times, you know, you you're building for that moment. <laughs> you know, you're you, you, there's all kinds of bullshit and, and heel shenanigans and all that stuff, but finally, you know, it's it ends with them fucking up or them getting in their way and the, you know, the bumbling Keystone cops and you know, the good guys win. So that's what happens here. So I I don't look, it's not my cup of tea. You know, you know that, but it wasn't like I was in here being like, Oh, here we go again. Oh, here we go again. Um, just because it's used what sparingly, right? 
That's the key. It's not like this has never happened before in New Japan. It's not like Anoki would, you know, (laughs) uh, lose his mind if something like this happened on one of his shows because they've happened. It's happened throughout the history of, 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 of professional wrestling. There's, there's, I don't know if you know this, Joel, but there's a little bit of silliness in, in, in pro wrestling. I don't know if you know. Uh, it's, uh, it's not a terrible thing uh, when used sparingly. And that's what it was here. And here's the thing, too. Uh, I think while I would have liked to have seen United Empire win, I think Hanare, I would love to see a, a title on him, you know, even if it's just... You know, thanks for all your hard work. Here's a title. I, I'd like to see that. Um, for whatever reason, they want to give him a, a title. It hasn't happened yet. But um, the idea of Goto and, and, and Yoshihashi having the, those titles again, I don't think anybody's going to complain. And number two, uh, it does lead to some interesting programs, which they were, once again, building up um, and kind of planting the seeds for an FTR match and i think i think all of us would be excited by that to see uh, once again so look it's it's going backwards but in in a in a way it's a it's a well deserved backwards in my mind yeah, just one thing I would say about the House of Torture stuff is it doesn't always land you know I'm not a unilateral defender of it when it's in the arse end of nowhere in the middle of a tour and the crowd aren't reacting to it. It is a slog. But when it lands, like in a hot Osaka crowd or a Korokuan Hall, then I find it tremendously entertaining. And this was one of those occasions. So uh, it does depend on the crowd, but um, I thought it was very successful here. So that took us to the, the intermission, if you will, where we had the announcements of the Grade 1 Climax 33 field. Mm. Uh, now, we had been teasing, you know, we'd heard whispers of a 32-man field, and that's exactly what we got. So we have Okada, Naito, Sanada, Osprey, Tanahashi, Finley, Shota, Shingo, Ishii, Tamatonga, the returning Tangaloa, who we haven't seen for, it feels like, over a year now. Yeah. So glad to see he's back in action. Hikuleo, Goto, Yoshihashi, Yano, Kenta, Zack Sabre Jr., Taichi, Eddie Kingston. That's a surprise for a lot of people. El Fantasmo, Ren Narita, Evil, Chase Owens, Jeff Cobb, Great O'Khan, Hinari, Gabe Kidd, Alex Coglin, Shane Haste, Mikey Nichols, Yotsuji, and Keito Kima. Oh no, I forgot. We've I forgot to mention about um Gabe Kidd and Alex Coglin. Let's let's circle back to All that right. before we do the G one. So we had um the what were they called? The Dogs of War, the war dogs yeah. coming out and attacking Bishamon afterwards. So yeah, uh I'm pretty sure on this very podcast, one of us at least has said, why not stick? Gabe and Alex in Bullet Club. Yeah. And that was teased, actually, one of the, the US shows. I forget which one with... Uh, it had Clark and Finlay watching Gabe Kidd's match. So they've been scouting him. And like I said before, the same thing with Dan Maloney, really. It absolutely makes sense to... It adds to the vibe of the group of uh, angry young dudes who feel they've not got their dues yet. So absolutely no problems with this. The only thing I disliked about it was that the crowd did not react to it at all like there were crickets in there i don't know if if a lot of people didn't know who they were but personally for me you know who's seen guys like carl fredericks lose his patience and 
quit the company. I'm, I, and I've warned before that they need to do something with these guys, otherwise they might find a similar situation. And, and more to the point, they're talented guys. I like watching them wrestle. I thought they're really good in World Tag League, and I thought they deserved another shot. I thought it was a no-brainer to bring them back in and do more tag stuff. And that's exactly what they're doing. So um, not a, a particularly shocking development, but a welcome one all the same at some point you have to give guys like this a chance and now they're getting one and i'm happy yep this is you know we're now picking the fruit from the tree it's it's perfect um yeah and and it's and and dare i say what a what a an interesting fun legitimate tag team in bullet club (laughs) you know that's the you know i i think the freshness of that just that pairing um, I don't know. It, it, I, I, I'm telling you, I was the one of the biggest. I don't give a shit about Bull Club. I don't give a you know. They should end it. Yeah, I, I'm. I was in that camp. I, I'm all. I'm all in on Bullet Club right now. All right. So then we got the uh, announcement of the 32 man field for the G1 plan. Oh no, I've got, <laughs> I've got a question first. Uh, oh. This is quite a funny one. Uh, Rob says, "How did Bullet Club decide who was going to be juniors and who was going to be heavyweights? Draw straws, rock paper scissors, or too sweet?" Uh, it was quite funny actually seeing Dan Maloney, Clark Connors. Gabe Kidd and Alex Coughlin lining up together. They all look sort of roughly the same size, don't they? Yeah. But one of them is a, a junior tag team. One of them is a, a heavyweight tag team. That was quite funny. It is silly at this point. I wish, again, I say it a thousand times, IWGP junior titles, one of my favorites, but the idea of having juniors and, you know, uh, what are you going to do? All right, yeah. It's been good this year, actually. I will say I've enjoyed the sort of segregation of it, and it's allowed Catch 2-2 and Bishamon and Aussie Open to sort of shine in their own fields. And I think if it was sort of purely open weight, then you wouldn't get that. So I will say that I think both tag divisions have been booked very, very well recently, so I'll give them that. All right, I'll give them finally. Finally, this uh, G1 Climax field. So, uh, yeah, I was just sort of getting to the end. I suppose the, the one huge surprise for me is Noah's Kaito Kiyomiya, which got a massive pop in the arena and very, very exciting to see him resuming his hostilities with Okada. I don't know if they're going to be in the same block. It would seem that they should be. And again, it just leaves me sort of wondering about Kiyomiya's future. You know, is he going to be sticking around with Noah long-term? I don't know. It just, it seems unusual. It's been a while since, when, when was the last time New Japan allowed um, a wrestler to enter the G1 from another Japanese from, promotion? Yeah, was from it, like, no, was it 2016? Yeah, it was, because it wasn't it um, Nakajima? Was yeah, it? Nakajima and um, Marafuji. Correct. Yeah. It? Yeah, I think that might have been so the last time. It's been a time. while. Yeah. Yeah. Not for nothing. Nah, for uh, you know, this could just be part of the Obari directive of wanting to collaborate more. And if it is just sort of in the spirit of collaboration to make the whole uh, Japanese pro wrestling scene more exciting, then I applaud that as well. You know, this doesn't have to be done with the end goal of trying to sort of backdoor Kiyomiya into New Japan. I'm not, it would be cool. I wouldn't be against it. But, you know, if, if he's just going to go back to Noah afterwards and do his thing there, that, that's fine as well. You know, I enjoy seeing these companies working together so again i'll try not to read too much into that but i think it's a really cool addition anyway uh what were your initial thoughts on seeing that field um well i mean i i like i just want to touch on a, 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 a comment you made 
you know, if they're in the same block, you would think that things are not going to go down the same <laughs> as they did in their previous match, right? I don't think it's going to be as uh, definitive a win for Okada as it was before. I mean, it wouldn't make any sense, would it? So I would not be surprised if we're, if if you're doing your your early uh, predictions and early uh, brackets, if you will, uh, I would not be surprised that if you see that match, um, you put down a Okada L for that one. It might be, and that's rare that that happens right? <laughs> when we talk about uh, other promotions' participation in a New Japan ring, but. I don't know. I just kind of screamed that. Just, just for the sake of keeping the story interesting. Right. I don't think it, if Okada just squashes him again in 10 minutes, then... What's the point? Yeah, exactly. So I would not be against the idea of Kiyomiya somehow. I don't know if it would be holding him to a draw or getting an upset win or something. I don't necessarily think he's going to be making it to a semi-final, but you feel that there is some juice left in the tank with that Okada storyline. Oh, certainly. So, yeah, that was very exciting. But... um. What yeah, else? a lot of discourse about the 32 men versus the 20-man field. What I would say, my thoughts on it are this, right? It has not always been a 20-man field. This is not some sort of sacrosanct, uh, you know, keystone of the grade one climax identity that it has to have 20 people. It's, you know, when did it start being 20? It was fairly recently, I think. So it's, I prefer 20. If you were to give me the book and say, what would you like? your ideal grade one climax, then yeah, I would pick the 20 best wrestlers. But I also think I have to acknowledge now that New Japan, as it is in 2023, has outgrown the 20-man field. There's too many guys, you know, from the US expansion, everything going on with Strong, to all the talent they've got coming through their dojo system, to the collaboration they're doing with all these other companies post, well, during and post-COVID, that I think trimming it to a 20-man field would have been very difficult, would have left out a lot of people that would have had us thinking, oh, I can't believe they're not giving a chance to this guy. You know, people like Kidd and Coughlin and Hikaleo and, you know, there's plenty of other names I could mention there. But I just think New Japan is in a position now where they've got all these guys working for them regularly. They're thinking, well, why not use them? So for me, I I don't really have too many complaints about the 32-man field. Again, I prefer the 20. I think it's leaner and tighter. But, you know, we don't have to watch everything. There's absolutely going to be some matches where the phone's coming out. You know, I'm not going to be saying to everyone, you know, you've got to watch every single match. If you don't pay attention to fucking Yano versus Mikey Nichols, then you're not a true New Japan fan. You can pick and choose. You don't have to watch every single match. But I do think, you know, in spite of the fact that this is a, a large field, I don't want to call it bloated. I, I think the floor on this is higher than I would have feared knowing it was 20 going in. I mean, there's no Yujiro, there's no Fale. You know, the, a lot of the people that we've looked at in previous years thinking, oh my God, I can't believe they're still in it, um, are absent. So I think, you know, if you were to take the the absolute floor on this field, you know, the worst wrestlers, then they're, they're not bad wrestlers, are they? Right. Do, I mean, you mentioned a couple names of people that are not in it, in, that were applauding, aren't in it. Um, but of the lineup that was announced, 
do you th- is uh, are there still people that you would pull out, remove, and if there yeah. are, yeah, okay, um, and if there are, like who, like, but there, who, who would you put in the place? Like, well, it, well, I'll tell you. Okay, well, first of all, I will say, do you, okay. Let me ask you a question. No, right? Had Aussie Open not signed with AW, do you think they would have been in this field? Had they both been healthy? I do. I do. Okay. Well, there's one. But yeah. uh, I would have loved to have seen uh, Bad Dude to Tito, Tom Lawler, Lance Archer, based on his performance today. I would have happily had him back. Uh, Rosser. Fred Rosser would have been a cool addition. Yeah, I just figured some of those guys announced for Independence Day, I would have preferred to have him over Eddie Kingston. Now, I've... If you'd asked me like a year ago, I was not a, f- a fan of Eddie Kingston. I didn't really get it. But now I can see the appeal. I've warmed him. He's had some entertaining matches. And he's a guy who I think shines best when he's given a microphone and able to, you know, put his blood, sweat and tears and give that sort of personal edge to these these blood feuds. I'm not sure that the meat grinder of the G1 Climax, especially with him, what is he, just come off the back of surgery or something? I, I do have my reservations about that. I'm a bit worried about that. I think, you know, with the right kind of opponent, and let's put putting him in there with Tai Chi, just for the sort of stylistic thing. We know that Eddie Kingston is a big uh, fanboy of Kawada, so there's a lot of interesting uh, promos that could be cut in the lead into that, and I'm sure uh, that match could be very, very good. But a lot of matches, you know, seven high-intensity matches within a relatively short space of time. That is, it's a meat grinder. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. And again, from a purely personal taste standpoint, I would have rather had Tom Lawler or Fred Rosser or J.R. Kratos or Badu Tito in ahead of that. But, you know, I still think Eddie Kingston will be good. I think, you know, if you put him in the block with the right people, you know, you guys like Itaichis or Shingos or Ishii or, you know, David Finlay or maybe Ren Narita, um, have gay kid in again they had a great match before i think there could be some really good stuff in there so yeah those are some people that i would have liked to have in i have got no use for yano at this point i don't find him funny anymore so we could take him out you know other people that are just you know chase owens right um kenta right i think he's on the verge of being washed I suppose Kenta could be just the the sort of night off match with all the shenanigans he's doing. I mean, he's just won the Defy title uh, through nefarious means. He just seems to win all his matches with uh, bending and breaking the rules. So, yeah, there's guys who are not to my taste, and I think there'll be a fair few skippable matches. But I I disagree with the takes that this is some kind of, oh, they're just inviting any old Tom, Dick and Harry into the G1. I think still, on the whole, it's a pretty strong field. Right. Again, uh, uh, twenty guys would be the the for me optimal, but I understand why it's thirty two. Sure, um, Eddie Kingston. Talk to me on night four and five and six when again you called it the meat grinder and and it and it is like I just don't know how 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 much legs he has doing what he does best consistently in a tournament like this. Right? Does that make sense? It it's it's he's you're right, perfect guy for build the feud with his mic skills. In the ring, it's it's blood, sweat, and tears. I don't know if that gets translated 
or if it's possible, or if it dilutes itself, if it's done every other night, right? Um, against people that really there isn't a kind of a a purpose that that it feels like works better with with who he is. Um, Yano, <clears throat> trust me, I, I we could do it out. Chase, well, I don't have a problem necessarily with Chase being in. I understand people's thought process in the sense of, okay, I mean, we could probably get rid of, you know, that would make it a, a, a you know, a solid 20 if we removed Yano and Chase and all that. But again, let's remember there are people that need to lie down. There are people that need to go one and whatever the, the number is or two or four points, or, you know, just, you know, there are just, you need that. And you can't have your big guns doing that, right? You just can't. So that's why, that's why you have people in there like it. Um, I was surprised by Tangaloa. I was, I was actually surprised that, that, I saw that graphic pop up. Um, I was surprised by all three of them, to be honest. I thought they were on their way out. I mean, that was the that was the the, the talk, right? Wasn't it? That was the talk. So there you go. Um, I don't. I, you know, it's it's funny. Every year, it seems like it's the same arguments of. Why is this person and why is this person and why is this person and why isn't this person? Why don't they have more from outside? I mean, we've got two outsiders, which I think will be interesting to say the least. Um, and you've got people who are going to debut and finally getting a chance. Let's. I, Again, it's fun to speculate and to kind of, you know, kind of predict how a tournament is going to go and who's going to perform well. We say it all the time. If given the opportunity, there are only a handful of of guys on that roster that can't go, that can't produce a really great match. They can still produce a captivating match. Right. And and again, I'll I'll look at Yano. You know, there are gonna be times where Yano is gonna have that sprint and it's going, you know, it's good. you're gonna you're gonna be on the edge of your chair. You, you are. Don't don't say you won't. You will. Um but let's see how it pans out. And I hate to I hate to to use that as a as a crutch, but I'm not. Like we have a lot of new faces. We have a lot of new possibilities and i think uh i think i'm excited i don't think i know i'm excited with that possibility right like we have so many guys that you're just like okay let me see what he can do oh let me see what he can do against this guy let's see what he that's to me that's exciting and the you know the idea of not knowing or feeling like you don't know who's going to win this particular match 
And then add the fact that G1 always has a handful of surprises. I don't know, man. I'm pumped. I, I'm excited for it. I, I I really am. And I'm 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 excited for it more than than last year and the year before. I really am. I think this is I think this is there's so many things to latch on to with this tournament over and above the idea of the tournament. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, and I think it's worth celebrating the fact that there's so many of their dojo talent who've made it into this. Uh, and again, there's something to be said for you know having that list of 20 where you get in there on merit. And remember that pop at Corican Hall when Taichi was announced for the 2019 Great One Climax. And that was a big moment because you're like, yeah, he's really earned it this time. But I just, I think we've reached a point now where they've got so much talent at their disposal that... You can't really do that. You you would end up with people just getting perpetually left out and disillusioned. And I would rather have the 32 if it means just, for example, guys like Gabe Kidd and Alex Coglin get a chance and we can see what they're made of than stick to the 20 and they get frustrated and leave. You know, I'd rather, just, like you said, let's see what they've got. And uh, a few questions here, double cases. Will Yano and Eddie Kingston be stuffed in the same block? I would like to see Yano with Shane Haste. I think that would be quite funny i wow. think shane haste is a, a very amusing man so uh, that'll be one to keep an eye on craig says am i alone in thinking this 32 man tourney is just laying the foundation for eventually having a g1 with two blocks competing in japan and two blocks competing in the u.s yeah i don't think that's going to happen a lot of people have been saying the u.s block but no i don't think it is it's part of their sort of touring logistics in japan i would be very surprised if they did it in the states and look i will say this about the 32 man block i think the 28 one was a disaster last year. I really didn't like it just in terms of the pacing. It didn't feel like a round-robin tournament. It was very hard to keep up with uh, how many points people had and guys going for long stretches with no matches. Uh, it was very hard to follow. But if it's eight, uh, four blocks of eight, um, we can have them appearing consistently. You know, we get all the guys from A block appearing on one night and all the guys from B block. So we can actually keep up with the scoring. Then that is way more balanced than doing the 28. The 28 was just, it did not work for me at all. So I think there are ways that 32 will work and it will have that grade one climax feel. So I know change is scary and people don't like it, but uh, I, I'm bullish like you, David. I think this is going to be very, very good. Are you surprised that the US, the current U IWGP US champion is not in the tournament? Uh, I am not. No, I think <laughs> I, I have. <laughs> I have no complaints about Tony Khan not wanting to give his biggest stars throw them into the meat grinder. That's absolutely fine. So I'm not, you know, gnashing my teeth. Oh, why is there no Claudio or Danielson or Kenny? If I want to watch those guys wrestle, I watch AW. It's fine. Yeah. They can they can do their wrestling there. And also, I would also say that uh, these New Japan tournaments are not. Um, excursions this is not aw developmental so you know oh they should have you know sent this guy they should have sent hook because it would have helped him polish up his skills or oh i would love to see what big bill would look like you know that, that's yeah, not i don't give a shit about hook. yeah all. i, I, I you know, not for nothing i don't i don't i don't care until you know if, if he if he pops in the new japan ring great uh yeah yeah his development means nothing to me <laughs> zero 
Um, all right, then. So that takes us to the sixth match, the Never Openweight Championship match, where David Finlay defeated the challenger El Fantasma in 18 minutes, 51 seconds, with his finishing move now named Into Oblivion. So ELP came out with his new theme and new gear. He seems to be Hontai, the sort of main New Japan unit, rather than aligning himself with a particular faction. Um, the match was fine. I, it, it was kind of went the same way as the Tamatonga one. It was a very comprehensive win for Finlay. I was expecting to have the sort of exciting back and forth closing stretch that these guys had in the G1 last year because we know they've got it in them. But I feel that they wanted to use this as an opportunity to really establish Finlay and this new uh, form of the Bullet Club at the expense of having a tremendously exciting match. Now, I think they will meet each other again. This is one of the programs that I could easily see having a Wrestle Kingdom rematch where ELP has to go and regroup and then he gets his shot again at uh, Tokyo Dome or another show or whatever. So I don't think they're done by any means. I think they do have a better match in them. But I think functionally this was there to show you David Finlay with Dan Maloney and Clark Connors and Gabe Kidd and Alex Coughlin and say, this is Bullet Club. They are savages. They are killers. This is how they're going to wrestle. And and I like it. It's got a very clear and strong aesthetic. It might not be conducive to the sort of work rate stars match that people like. It might get there one day. I don't know. Um, but in terms of a mission statement for what Bullet Club is now, I thought it uh, served its purpose very well. Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, that probably didn't make much sense for ELP to get a win and take the title here anyway. Um, I, I was surprised. Um, and, and, and even though the objective is to have David Finley be a definitive force in, in new Japan and again, re-educating fans, I, I'm kind of surprised that it was done at the expense of ELP. Um, only in the sense that I, I, I don't know. I mean, you're right. It, it, it's probably not the last time we see these two in the ring together. But that being said, I, I, I just, I, I, I don't want to say, what do you do with ELP now? Um, but it does seem a little bit, and again, maybe I'm just more worried about the future than I should be, but it does seem like he's, you know, ELP is floating without a, a rudder, right? He's just kind of there at this point. Um, there's plenty of things that can be done to kind of spice him up a, a, a bit, but... I don't know. I, I, I look. I, understand. I I think it would. It, it's rare for um. A, right, his story is barely started. He's just been kicked out of Bullet Club. I think for him to come back immediately and beat Finlay for the title and be like, yeah, you know, I'm the man now. That's not really how New Japan does things. Right. I think he's got to go on his own little narrative arc and find himself before he can do that. Excuse me. I'm just going to attend to myself. Yeah, go right ahead. Um. <laughs> he's unhappy with the uh, direction either. Um, you're right. It, again, I just, I don't know. I just, uh, even though everything you said makes perfect sense and and is the correct and logical 
explanation. I just, I guess maybe I am projecting the fact that I I'm, I'm waiting for that ELP moment, I guess. I guess everybody can't have a moment at once. And you can't have a moment of, you know, both. Well, you, you know what? You, you kind of can both have a moment. And I don't think that they established that. I think they did. They did one objective. They've accomplished one ad- objective with David Finley. But I would have, I guess I, I, there's a part of me that would like to have seen ELP be put in a little bit of a better situation. Um, look, could you see him as a, a G1 semi-finalist? Could you see him winning his block of eight? Right now, no. Right now, no. I mean, who's ahead in the pecking order for you? In, I mean, I don't want to get into like final predictions and all that stuff, but like uh, him winning his block. <clears throat> all right. So let's just say, what, what are you saying? Two blocks or, or is there going to be four blocks? Yeah, four blocks of eight. Okay. So you figure Naito's winning one of those blocks, right? Uh, do we? <laughs> what? I don't know. No, really. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't, this is the thing. But if you said pick now, who's winning the G one? I wouldn't know. And I, again, I, I like the fact that that's unpredictable. I suppose you know New, New Japan has been so fresh with the booking this year that you know I could see a final four of I don't know Suji and ELP and Shota Umino and. Osprey or, or whatever, like that wouldn't shock me to have like a first time winner. I think I'd, I'd be kind of leaning towards Will Osprey to win it. I think maybe we're going to get a first time winner this time, just with the way that the booking is going. And and I still think the G one winner has that baggage of being a having to fill a Tokyo Dome, correct? On January fourth, right? Um, but we have seen. I mean, what were the, the semi when they had the four blocks last year? The semifinals were what Okada versus Tamatonga and. Osprey versus Naito, correct? So uh, Tamatonga, you know that I, I think you can give one of those semi-final spots to a guy who you're trying to establish, and I think the G1 is a great way to do that. So I think that is a potential area for ELP to start his little redemption story, if you like. Okay. Um, I, I mean, to me, just on the surface, Finley, I think, would be in that mix. Osprey in that mix, I would probably say, I mean, again, it depends on how they divide the blocks, but, um, I still kind of think Naito's in that mix. Um, Okada, is he in that mix? Uh, you know, you, you, you would figure Sonata might be in that mix. It's, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if, you know, we talk about how there's so much talent and the, and the depth of talent, and we just might have to put that on the back burner, you know that 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 whole ELP idea of him, you know, leading the charge and the company really behind him. The company still loves him, but it's and maybe it's just not time. Maybe there's there's only so much that can be done, right, at one time in establishing people, um, and maybe maybe this is just. A, a little cooling off period before they they put them back on the fire. Yeah, and it's a shark tank at the moment. There's a lot of very 
talented, hungry young guys who are going to be, you know, busting their backs to um, make a name for themselves. So I think by throwing all these guys in into the mix, then we're going to see who sinks and who swims. And that's very exciting. Like I said at the start of the show, not everyone is going to land, not everyone's going to make it, but I, I believe that the cream uh, will rise to the top. You're right. You're right, G1. Uh, and, and I'm sorry, that, that is exactly one of the things that makes G1 great. It's a sieve, you know? It's, it's your... You, you you put the flour in and you shake it to kind of see who falls through, right? Um, I like that. Yep, good. Uh, Michael CC says Finley Bullet Club cool. Or are the boring Twitter accounts right? So I, I mean, I think we've discussed this one. Yeah, right. I say that they are cool. I think they're good and cool. Uh, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm more into them now than I have been in years. So uh, if, if it's a vehicle to allow these this talent that hasn't gotten a shot before to get a spotlight. Let's, let's give it, let's give it a go. Well, here's an interesting one. Ken says, do you see Oleg joining bullet club? Finlay gave him a look a few times after his match. I did notice Mm. that there was a little bit of, he was squaring up to him and Oleg was, you know, putting his hands up uh, in sort of deference. So, um, I could see it. I mean, if Oleg is going to get the quick graduation, he could be like the sort of muscle man for, new Bullet Club, because I think if Bullet Club are lacking something right now, it is someone who's, you know, big and physically intimidating. I don't think any of the guys that have at the moment really fit that. So potentially, yeah. And and look, with Bullet Club feeling as fresh as it is at the moment, it wouldn't be the sort of kiss of death that, you know, if if you'd said a year ago, this guy's joining the Bullet Club, I would have been rolling my eyes and being like, oh, Jesus Christ. But uh, now I see that as a, a positive and an exciting thing. So yeah, don't rule that out i think there could be fire to that smoke you know what do we always forget about the fact that bullet club has offshoot factions <laughs> you know house of torture is technically an offshoot of bullet club isn't it <laughs> it's, yes and farley's rogue army right. in oceania right i mean it, it, I, you know and and if we're still counting jay white <laughs> doing his gold thing um yeah it's so what you're saying is, when are we going to get the big David Finlay, Jack Bonza confrontation? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Exactly. Yes. Oh, dear. Okay. So uh, seventh match, then we have the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match, which was moved from the eighth match to allow Claudio to <laughs> get to the arena on time, uh, where we had Hiromu Takahashi uh, successfully defending for the sixth time, I believe this would be, against the Best of the Super Juniors winner, Master Huaka. You want me to start? 19 minutes. 50 seconds. Oh, go for it. Ladies and gentlemen, dedicated listeners of this number one New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, I'm here to make an announcement. He has had, and I say he, Master Wato has had two back-to-back singles matches that have delivered. That have delivered. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that everything he did in that ring was crisp and clean and you know done with the execution of grace and elegant. No. That being said, back to back great matches. One of them being five stars. <laughs> I don't five know about stars that. from Big Dave himself. I don't know. I don't know if I was a fiver. I got to be honest with you. You feel a fiver. I didn't feel a fiver. Um, 
I, I'm here to announce it's been official. I've been diagnosed with Watomania. What a moment. I just want to let that sink in. <laughs> what a moment for this podcast. I mean, I think one of the things that I celebrate about both of us is that we don't dig our heels in. We don't sort of stick to a take for the sake of wanting to be right. We let our opinions evolve based on the changing evidence in front of us. As it should be, I would be very distrustful towards people who uh, always say that they are right the first time. And I think building your whole gimmick personality on that is very, very shaky ground. And I think you have to be able to reassess things based on the way things change. I, I think that is a strength, not a, a weakness or a fail state. So I am very happy to embrace you into the uh, <laughs> into the Watto Maniacs. And look, I will say, a, a fucking brilliant match. Like I say, I, I echo your sentiments about it. I thought it was really, really excellent. And the fact that he's delivered not just uh, with this match and the final, I thought he was great in the semi-final as well. He is consistently delivering at a, a, a very, very high level. Now, he's still young. He will get better. He will get better. He's got room to grow. What I think is the, the most kind of remarkable thing for me is that after Wrestle Kingdom, when Hiromu won, I was really angry. I was like, oh my God, they fucked it up. Like, I can't believe it. The cowards, that should have been Watto's crowning moment. They should have belted him up. You would think now, after everything that's happened, that I would be even more angry. But I kind of feel this is the right move. Right. Even though, even though Watto has is now delivering outstanding matches and he's got the best of the Super Juniors trophy, and I was complaining about Hiromu feeling still, I think this is the right move. Because, you know, the crowd were just on their feet. They were stamping, they were screaming, like it was electric. The atmosphere for the last few minutes of this match was just beautiful. I, I loved it so much. But you know what New Japan like to do? We know how they like to tell their stories and they make you wait and wait and wait until you are just absolutely bursting for that moment. And that Watto moment is coming. I don't know when it's going to be. Maybe it will be at Wrestle Kingdom. Maybe it will be in Osaka again because he's a, an Osaka boy himself. But at this point, the way that it's been booked this year, I have absolute faith and confidence in whoever's booking it that they're going to tell the right story with Watto. We are going to get a payoff. It wasn't today. But I'm okay with that. And Hiromu's been so tremendous this year and they've freshened up the division so much and lined up so many interesting possible new challenges that I'm okay with it. I think it was the right move. I think this is not Watto's moment to become the, the ace of this division. I think he's still got some growth to do, some growing to do. And I guess are we sort of full steam ahead. Are you on board for the... Hiromu 12 defense bandwagon. Yeah, I am. And and I think what we fail to acknowledge when it comes to these types of 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 streaks or um you know historic defenses as you get the higher numbers is you know sometimes you got to get through defense 5 and 6 and 8 to get that oh okay we're getting closer. Oh, we're getting closer. Up oh, the heat is on. Oh, we got two more wins. Ah, one more win, and he breaks through. You know, that kind of thing. Um, and that's where it gets really fun and exciting and and 
you you kind of you're you're then looking for people to break the streak. You know, it's like it's kind of like you want that challenger to win the title. It's subconsciously. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I mean, look, I said it previous show. Having Hiromu with the title and uh, Master Wato with the best of the Super Junior trophy that he can bring out every fucking show and just remind people, yeah, I won, I won this tournament. Um, and at the yeah, same, that, that is its own reward yeah. in and of itself, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Um, now you got two guys that you know when they have opponents, it it's meaningful. And it's, and it's, you know, not that he's defending the fucking trophy, but you get my point. And, and Hiromo chasing a record that, I mean, that's yes, perfect, fine. And you're right. New Japan does take their time. They like to slow burn and, and so forth. But, but even without that, I think it's the right call. It's, you know, again, you got two. you, here's what you got. You got master Wato who has been elevated into a position where once again, they're, 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 we're, we are in harvest season. We are, we are picking the fruits from the tree that we planted years ago. Um, and so far you could see that, that progression in master Wato and it's been slow. It's been a grind. I'm not going to lie, but look, if there was anyone else in the world, look, when I was doing this while he was a young lion, who was the guy that was, this guy's going to be a star. This guy's going to be good. This guy's going to be me, 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 right? Now, I got totally disappointed with the master Watto that we saw walk through that curtain in an empty arena and then get <laughs> the shit kicked out of him by Doki. And you're like, wait a minute, what the fuck's going on here? And then the just the ongoing, you know, the the ring work being sloppy, and and now he's with tens on, and it's like, okay, the whole thing. We know the story. He's improved greatly. I think he's a shoe in for most improved. I think he's an absolute shoe in for most improved, uh, because he has. And 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 the growth has been pretty tremendous. Um, if there's look, if there was another wrestler who had back to back strong matches, good matches. I don't again. I don't know if I'm going fives, but like these were really good matches. You know, we would we would sing their praises, and I think that that for me. He's not the same guy that debuted through that curtain. And I, I stand by that. That I, that did not work. It didn't work. It struggled. And at the time, it was like, what the fuck? And this guy doesn't have it. And it, yeah. But all along the way, as he's improved, I've been maybe in the beginning somewhat reluctantly. But. You know who was wrong about Naito when he started doing his, uh, uh, you know, kind of shoulder shrug kind of gimmick? Me. I didn't know what the fuck that we were looking at. 
you know, turned out to be one of the biggest guys in the company's history. So I got no problem being being. Like if I stood, if I, if I sat here and I said all the things that I said before about him now, I would be wrong. I'm, I would be wrong. <laughs> so David in 1996, I'm not sure about this stone cold gimmick. I think he was better as a ringmaster personally. <laughs> right. right, right. I don't like him uh, quoting Bible scripture either. It's just, it's preposterous. But that's my point. You know what I mean? Like it's, I don't think it's any great. Like I would be an absolute boob if I sat here and was like, "No way, man! Master Watto still stinks." And blah, blah. come on, come on, stop it! <sighs> All right, Master Watto, Watto Mania, baby, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, I think the challenge here is: what are they going to do? How are they going to keep him hot and interesting while he's out of the title scene? Because he will come back; like they will circle back to him. And I think keeping the belt on Hiromu gives. This reign for Hiromu, you know, had he lost it now, it would have been the end of a very good reign. Him keeping it, you know, let's say he keeps it for the next six months, and if he continues to defend it at the rate and the quality that he has been doing in the first half of the year, it could be an all-time great reign with that junior title and building up the moment where he loses it to be a, a truly historic moment. You know, it will feel like a moment. Right. Here it would have felt like, oh, cool, Watto won. But... Now it's been built even longer. That that's going to be the challenge. You know, can they build up this Hiromu reign to where to, to strike when the iron is hot at the right moment for that passing of the torch to the right guy, and you know build up the heat for the opponent as well. Whether that's Watto or someone else, you know, they, they, it could be any number of guys. Right. But um, I'm I'm all on board for the story. I have total faith in it. The hardest part is is the fact that G1 is here, um, and or at least right around the corner. And that's it's the problem with every junior that comes out of you know best of the super juniors and and maybe even Dominion um, coming out of it is like oh okay now we're focused on the heavyweights <laughs> yeah um, so it, you know we'll figure they'll figure that out but yeah I mean it, I think you know you could say the same thing Will Osprey had the same problem or you know uh, Ricochet or uh, you know whomever you know. Kyle O'Reilly, I don't know. I'm not naming winners. I'm just naming junior heavyweights that performed well. Uh, Kushida, you know, just trying to keep that momentum going uh, into G1 when we're focused on, mostly on heavyweights. Okay, so it's uh, eighth match, never open weight six man tag team championship match. The champions, Ishii, Tanahashi, and Okada successfully defending against the challengers, Shota Umino, Claudio Castagnoli, and John Moxley. 20 minutes, 37 seconds. Okada pinned Shota following the Rainmaker to successfully retain those titles. I mean, it's just wild to say that out loud. Just that sequence of words. If I'd said to you, you know, like three years ago, never openweight six-man tag team championship match with names like Okada, <laughs> Tanahashi, Claudio Castagnoli and John Moxley, <laughs> you would have had me committed to an insane asylum. Right. But hats off to them. I mean, they, they took a, a huge risk in putting these belts on, you know, guys like Okada. And now it's the semi-main spot for a Dominion show and, you know, arguably the best match of the card. This was tremendously entertaining. You know, everyone doing their greatest hits. Uh, I enjoyed the way that they paired off with, uh, I don't know if they were teasing, future singles matches, but there was, you know, certainly a lot of interest there. 
I just I love this prick Ricardo man. He's so good. Just the way he it, and it's you know it's not just him. There just seems to be a, a trend in you. Stop coughing, Esther. Very rude. <laughs> trying to she's choking. <laughs> It feels like, you know, guys like him, in years gone by, you have your ace at the top of the company and the young guy comes to them and they'll challenge the top guy. They might beat them, they might not beat them, but it feels like the first time where the guys on top, like your Ocados or Naitos, whatever, are sort of being actively hostile towards this younger generation and like abusing them. Just the, the interactions between... Okada and Shota are just an absolute joy to watch. He's absolutely punking this kid out. Like he's feels disrespected by him even being in the same ring as him. And I don't know where it's leading to, but I think they've really struck gold there. Like they found the perfect recipe to make both of these guys really interesting and exciting. And there's just so many interesting directions they could go in. Um, But if we're just talking about the match itself, just tremendous entertainment. I loved it. What, what a fun six-man match and wh- how far this never open weight title has come. I, I will say Yoshihashi walked so that uh, <laughs> Claudio Castagnoli and John Moxie and Okada could run. Yeah. Um, this this comment may uh, have you know different mileage to, for different people, but uh, I really do enjoy John Moxley. And I'll tell you why. He brings that that dynamic to a match of and 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 it starts from the entrance all the way to the end of wildness and unpredictability and uh like he doesn't feel to, like a like a pro wrestler to me. He feels like a guy that showed up to have a fight. <laughs> and and I, I and trust me, I'm not saying that one is better than the other here. I'm not saying that one one is uh, in on the exact same level. But the vibes I get from him really is and truly. And there are people in this business that have done their best to kind of give a similar feeling but if there's any wrestler in the entire world right now that gives me the bruiser brody gives me the terry funk kind of vibe of guy a guy showing up and causing fucking havoc it's him and i think it's very rare in pro wrestling in this day and age like it's very rare rare like he f- truly feels like an outlaw, and there have been so many people that have tried to channel that same energy and have fallen well short. Like he does it, he does it. Um, and then you add to the mix the whole idea of you have this generation, and it does give me the these ninety vibes of Muda and uh, uh, Chono and Hashimoto. Uh, Hiroshi Hase, all these guys that were, you know, kind of f- getting their, f- making their move to be the next guys and the people at the top, not really being too thrilled with that. You know, your Choshus, your, your Fujinamis, your um, Tenrus, you know, that kind of stuff 
is is a staple, especially in New Japan, where you ha- they have the younger guys that are making moves to take spots, and it just doesn't happen. Like there is a fight for that, um, and I th- I feel like we're we're getting close to that. We're, we're or if not close to that, we're we're kind of in that. Um, and that's that to me. That's fun as well. And I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, Okada is going anywhere. I'm not saying that Tanahashi is going anywhere. I'm not saying, but you. I think everyone can feel it that this is moving in that direction. And to me, that's so exciting. That really is exciting because what you're getting is you're getting guys who still have stuff in the tank going against guys that are hungry and and have a, a completely full tank and they can't wait to burn some of that excess fuel. Um, that's to me, that's fun pro wrestling and we're right there. Yeah. It's not like Okada's going to give the ball to these guys. He's like, you come and fucking get it. Come and take it out of my hands. Yep. You think you're good enough. Come and step up to me and show me. Yep. And I love that. It's not just, Oh, we're, we're just going to pass the torch to the, this young guy. Cause that's what we do in wrestling. It's like, no, you got to, Show me that you, you're good enough to do it. And that's great. And this just, Okada character, love it. And I hope they put him in a G1 block full of these young pups that are going <laughs> to piss him off. You know, let's put him in there with Kiyomiya and Umino and Narita, and just everyone who's going to make him really angry and bring out the absolute worst in him. Uh, and speaking of which, we do have a very delicious match set up, which uh, presumably for Forbidden Door, we've got a great little video package afterwards with uh, Brian Danielson calling out Okada, and it looks like we are getting a dream match by any person's metric, because uh, it's got Okada versus Brian Danielson for Forbidden Door. And there is no, surely, like, there's no spin on this one that people can put to be like, it's not good, because that is, like I said, a legitimate dream match. Cannot wait. You know, if we're, if we're headlining Forbidden Door with Okada and Danielson and Kenny versus Osprey. Yeah, throw names, at, throw darts at uh, you know names on a board for the rest of the card. Doesn't matter. Random selects those two matches at the top uh, are justifying the price of entry by themselves. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> I'm in a bit of a quandary here. So on the same night as that show being held in my favorite hockey team's home arena uh, in a city that I truly love of Toronto. And I haven't been there in quite a, a while. Uh, same night, I have tickets to go see one of my favorite bands of all time, The Cure, in Maryland. Do I make the trip to Toronto or do I go see The Cure? I think we should let the listeners decide. Okay. <laughs> just do a Twitter poll. Twitter poll. Vote on it. Should I go? And now, uh, I will, full disclosure, <clears throat> I do not have a ticket for AEW, so that might be harder to get. Uh, and B, that would be the third night I've seen The Cure in four nights. So the third concert in four nights. And that would be the last one. Um, oh, right. definitely go to the wrestling then. Yeah? Mm. Yeah. Danielson Okada. I know. Omega Kenny. Fuck. I don't know. All right. I put that here's the thing too. I gotta drive to Toronto. I can't I don't think I can fly. I gotta drive. That's like a t- 
it'd be about 10 hour drive up and back. What, five hours there, five no, hours no, back? No, 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 10, 10. Oh, 10 there, 10 back. Yeah. Um, anyone want to drive? Hey, <laughs> listeners, someone drives. <laughs> anyone pay for my flight to Toronto? Uh, um, can you, can, Red Circle, is it? Redcircle.com? <laughs> I need a plane ticket. And also, please, uh, uh, either, uh, <laughs> what was I going to say? Business class? Business class only. Yeah, business yeah. class only, please. Um uh, how about this? Um, RKJ says Danielson versus Okada is five years too late. Not a question, just an opinion. Correct. Correct. I mean, yeah, I, I, yes. I mean, without all the mileage on their bodies and the injuries, and uh, yeah, you're not getting both of these guys at the at the apex of their careers. No, you're not. That being, I would say you are getting Okada is most interesting. Uh, here's what you're getting. You're getting two guys that obviously can still go when when the time is right, and you got and when they do go, they're some of the best pro wrestling that you'll see on, on planet Earth. So, I mean, you know, it depends on what kind of pharmaceuticals they have in the back, <laughs> you know, to to numb some pains. Uh, to get them in that ring to be able to perform at a top level. They know the stakes. I think everybody, ha- they know what people's expectations are um, and they're pros. So pfft, I ain't worried about, like, I'm, like that'd be the last thing I'd worry Like, I'm not worried about that match being a fucking flop because, yeah. But they answer the question, yeah, five years ago, yeah, probably right. Right, ninth match, main event, IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match. Sanada successfully defending against the challenger, Yotosuji. 17 minutes via the dead fall. So Sanada retaining his championship. Uh, Adam says, not a question, just Yotosuji. Matty says, is it Suji's world? And we're just living in it. And Kai says, why is Suji the GOAT? Uh, So we were 50-50 on the outcome of this, I think, uh, leading up to it. And following this match, I think... They did everything that they needed to do. I thought Suji looked like a million bucks, like the entrance, the presentation, like just the very fact that he did not appear on any preview tags, like he did not have a wrestling match prior to this one, you know, for for this sort of re-debut following his excursion was very notable, made it feel like a big deal. And again, very, very ballsy to do that and not give him some sort of tune-up matches and I did notice, again, this might just be me. I could be completely off base here, but he did seem to sort of struggle a bit physically. I noticed him huffing and puffing in certain points in the match, although you wouldn't really notice it by his output because I thought his performance was pretty fucking great, really. Uh, I thought it played to his strengths, the fact that it only went 17 minutes. I maybe ended a little bit abruptly, but I don't think it needed to go any longer than this. But he looked great. He built that crowd connection instantly. We had thousands and thousands of fans chanting his name. His moveset is tremendous. Like there were some great sequences and sort of a, a mix, mixing up the sort of lucha stuff as well. And I love the little sequence he did leading into the first curb stomp. Um, the way that the spear has been sort of built in as this death move and the way that Sanada saw that it was coming early on when he tried to do the leapfrog thing and it just knocked the wind out of him. So he was like, oh shit, I've got to try and put this guy away early. So he was 
you know, three minutes into the match, trying to bust out his signature moves, trying to put Suji away early. But then later on into the match, Suji kept going back for the spear and Sonata had figured out counters to it. So I thought it was a really good performance from Sonata as well. And let's give some credit to him. Like, you know, the company put him in a big spot here yep. to, I don't want to say lead Suji through his comeback match, but, you know, Sonata's the more experienced guy there. And it was a, a big role for him to be Suji's dance partner. I thought he acquitted himself admirably there. So now I think Sonata is a guy you can rely on to be able to work with younger, less experienced talent and and lift it, lift them to something greater than the sum of its parts, which you wouldn't always get from Sonata historically. So I think he's improved a ton. But I mean, the big talking point here, of course, is Suji. He didn't win, but I thought he looked really strong. And he came away from it with his stock risen despite not winning the match. Uh, and I think, again, the, the sort of spectre of Yuya Uemura in the background is is worth considering. I think the fact that Suji didn't win here makes me sort of even more confident that Uemura is the guy who's going to get the true rocket strapped him. And, of course, there's the interesting stuff with LIJ mm-hmm. where, you know, the way that they're reacting to him, he's called for the fist bump at the start. Um, Josh uh, you know, says, so Jordan says, is Suji alone now? Or Brian says, do you think Yota Suji will take over the leadership of LIJ? Lemon123 says, what's the Wrestle Kingdom match for Suji? And is Naito a lot for the G1 win? I mean, I think the story here is Naito basically telling Suji, you got to pay your dues here. You can't just, you know, rock up from your excursion and act like Billy Big Bollocks, you know, you're playing like the leader of LIJ, you're not. I am. So I think he will be an LIJ, but I think there's going to be a bit of tension there. And I think that Suji versus Naito could very well be the Wrestle Kingdom program where he's got to sort of earn his spot into the faction rather than just saying, hey, I'm back and I'm in LIJ now, I've decided. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely something to it there. But um, what did you think of the the re-debut of Yota Suji? Well, it was everything I think that we were looking for minus the title change, right? It was, I mean, just imagine being put in that spotlight. Um, pretty impressive, right? Pretty impressive to, to to be dumped right into the main event of a big show and asked to deliver. I mean, there's one thing to be stuck in, not stuck, but placed in the middle of a card. And then there's a whole nother thing, an expectation of being dropped into a main event on a big show. Uh, and I do, thought, do you think that's a bigger spot than what they did with Jay White? So Jay White returned late 2017, and his first match back was Wrestle Kingdom, Tokyo Dome, challenging China. Tanahashi for the Intercontinental title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look what happened there, right? Loss, and away we go, right? I think Jay White... Do, did, do you think this was... a Bigger spot than that? Oh God, yeah, I th- I think so. Well, huh? That's a good question. At the time, you know, Tanahashi was. I I don't think like Tanahashi was a was a big fucking deal, and having that first match, and he still is. Don't get me wrong, but like that during that time frame, I mean, that's that's a that's a huge spot, um, in a big building. The, the the biggest show of the year. Like, what's bigger? Semi-main eventing the biggest show of the year or main eventing one of the big shows of the year, <laughs> right? Um, Jay, he didn't have to have that main event match. Whereas 
what we saw today or yesterday or whatever it was, uh, he, you you need to have that New Japan main event. Now I'm not saying that that match was on par with you know some of those epic Tanahashi Okada matches or Kenny and Okada or Shibata and Okada. You know we're not we're not in that <clears throat> realm, but I thought he did really well. In a, in a high pressure situation, um, and and I'm glad that you threw the flowers when you did at Sonata, because he deserves a lot of credit too. He does deserve a lot of credit. Like, dare I say, him having this title is the best thing that has ever happened to him. I don't know. That's a goofy, goofy statement because why wouldn't it? He's the champion, but. Like he just has a different feel and and I guess a and I want to say a different sense of responsibility. I don't know, maybe just in his head when you go into a match knowing that oh, I'm losing, so what the fuck? As opposed to, all right, I'm the champion and I got a, a match with a guy who's making his debut, you know, his re-debut from excursion in a main event on a big sh- you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of responsibility there. You gotta carry a lot of that weight. Um, that's a pressure situation too, a thousand percent. Again, is this match going to go into the New Japan Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame and everyone citing this match as, you know, this is the match that got me into pro wrestling? I, I don't know. I can't, I, I don't think that's the case though. But that being said, I think they accomplished their goals of one, creating a new star, two, having your champion be even looked at more of as a top guy and three planting the seeds for this Los Ingo Bernabalus kind of, you know, what tension we'll call it. So yeah, I, like I said, was it the greatest new Japan pro wrestling main event we've ever seen? No, but it accomplished those goals and I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. Josh says, does the response and reaction to Yota empower New Japan even more with regards to the scale and importance of Yuya's return? I mean, did that shock you, actually, the fact that we had this Osaka Joe Hall crowd chanting, Yota, Yota, because that caught me off guard a bit. I wasn't expecting that. But, um, yeah, do you think, do you see sort of any implications for the outcome of this match to Yuya or do you think they're completely separate and he's going to be judged on his own merits? Um, I mean, I think if they think they can make money from him, <laughs> I think that's the biggest deciding factor. And those, those crowd reactions help. I mean, it is Osaka, right? They kind of dance to their own tune a little bit. Um, they also look, I'm I'm go I'm going into this match with a possibility of a of a world title change here on a guy making his re-debut back from excursion, who literally the only thing we've seen from him was one spear. <laughs> right? We didn't even see like this like one spear. Um so yeah, I mean I think I think the future is very bright. Let's put it that way for, for all parties future. Very bright. Yeah. I think they're sort of setting long-term stuff here. 
I mean, I've said I think there is an intentionality in Ren coming back, going for the TV title and losing. Shota coming back, going for the US title and losing. Now, Suji coming back, going for the heavyweight title and losing. I think that there is a purpose behind that. And I also think there's sort of a long-term thing here, possibly with Suji and Sanada. So it could be that Suji is the Sanada to Sanada's Okada, if you see what I mean, where, you know, Sanada is set up as the sort of, I don't, don't want to say senpai, but, you know, sort of the the um, more established star that Suji is going to have this sort of long-term rivalry with and, you know, maybe loses to him the first few times and eventually gets the win over him. So, yeah, really interesting long-term directions to go there. Uh, but Louis says, with Yota Suji getting the main event spot and a shot of the IWGP champ, do you think this is the model New Japan is going for? More youthful wrestlers and young lions returning early from excursions, getting top spots. I wouldn't say this is an early return. I mean, he was away for sort of the, the standard time, wasn't it? I'm not seeing anyone particularly getting brushed back. But you can definitely see the emphasis on youth here. And yeah, it's been badly needed. I mean, I've been saying on this podcast for years how they are missing having the next Japanese heavyweight star. They, they, they didn't have one. They were really lacking in that spot. So now that they've got <laughs> three come along at once and, you know, maybe a fourth on the way, and, you know, looking at Oiwa and um, Fujita, there's there's a lot of talent there and it's very exciting. Yeah. And the thing that I did want to mention, though, I mean, I know a lot of people used, uh, you know, like AJ Styles as the reference of a guy debuting and, you know, winning the title. Uh, even that wasn't. You know that that I feel like that situation it was much much different than I mean a lot of guys coming back from excursion, right? Um, I think it's very 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 rare. Usually they lose, you know, coming back and re-debuting a gimmick. Ocon, right? Um, Jay White we mentioned, and, and I'm I, I'm just naming like big spots, you know, return, you know. Um, I mean, they usually lose. Usually, don't win. I think I think AJ is the complete outlier when it comes to that. Um, even Evil, Evil didn't win a, a title his first time out, right? Uh, so it's kind of. I think we should have saw the handwriting on the wall. I think we all got very excited, <laughs> me particularly, but. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really happen that often. Um, all right, so a few questions sort of wrapping up. Big big picture thoughts on the show. Anwar says, was it cowardice by New Japan to not belt up Watto or Suji? I don't think so. I think the decisions were correct in both instances, and I think Watto and Suji have left this event with their stock risen, and my interest in them increased without them necessarily having to have won the belts. So, no, no cowardice. Exactly. It's like, uh, I'm trying to give you an example, but uh, I can't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you got your cake and ate it too. You didn't have to change the belts and you made SARS. I think that's that was the end goal and I think they accomplished it. And Andrew says, please tell us the top three moments that made you blast your jeans at Dominion. Now, we forgot to talk about this. Yotosuji's nickname is Gene Blast. What? 
Gene, Gene Blast. Blast. As in yes. pair of genes? No, G-E-N-E. Okay, Gene Blast. Genetics Gene. I didn't is, see that, that. is that a cum shot? Is that jizz? Is that what a Gene Blast is? Feels like that's what it is. It feels like they're talking about cum. Uh, when was the last time I did that? <laughs> what was the question? Uh, no, the question was going to be the top three moments that made you blast your jeans at the video. Ah. Uh, I would say, okay, so for top three, the Dan Maloney turn, yeah. the Kiyomiya reveal, uh-huh. and maybe that first sequence in the Suji Sonata match where he did the sort of Fosbury flop move and the crowd just lost their shit. And that moment where you're like, fuck, this is, I, I want to say a guy. This is the guy. You know, this guy, this is a big deal. We've got a, a potential star on our hands here. Those would be my my top three moments where I blasted my jeans <laughs> right into my pants. <laughs> um, I would say my uh, removal of semen would be... I'll tell you what, his entrance, Suji's uh, entrance was pretty fucking epic. I like that. Uh, the tag titles, changing hands, I like that. Um, And yeah, probably... Yeah. The, well, the Danielson thing, that 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 was great. And Will talking, talking about Kenny at Forbidden Door 2. Yeah, there's a lot of love, a lot of love shooting around. I love a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, so here, here's my next question. Let's wrap the shot then. Uh, Multiverse A says, out of all the news and events from the show, Suji, Shota, Watto looking like stars, Kato in the G1, Forbidden Door having Okada, Danielson, and Omega Osprey, the new Bullet Club, Gino being back. What are you most excited for? Forbidden Door is up there. I mean, that's a fucking sexy ass, you know, couple of matches there. I mean, if we're, if we're assuming somewhere in that mix, you're also seeing Goto and, and Yoshihashi and FDR, um, Kenny, Will, Danielson, Okada. I mean, that is a pretty fucking strong lineup just right there. Uh, so that's probably first on my list of what I'm most excited about. Second, um, G1. Uh, it, that's I think G1 is going to be really fun and interesting and a um, lot of surprises. So I would say those two. Okay, last thing here is we have this Friday – the All Together Again show taking place at uh, Tokyo Ryogoku Kokugikan, the Sumo Hall. And, of course, lots of New Japan involvement here. So in terms of the New Japan involvement, we've got Amakusa, Atsuki, Aoyagi, and Hiromu against Hayata, Rising Hayato, and Master Wato. We've got Francesco Akira, TJP, Hinari, Great Okan, and Jeff Cobb against Dan Tamura, Hikaru Sato, Ryuki Honda, Rei Saito, and Jun Saito. We have Ren Narita, El Desperado, and Minoru Suzuki against Junta Miyawaki, Takashi Sugiura, and Naomichi Marafuji. We have, again, I'm just going through the matches with New Japan involvement. Shota Umino against Yoshitatsu, which 
Yeah, that could be interesting. I'm into that. Uh, Kosei Fujita and Zack Sabre Jr. against Sean Legacy and Chris Ridgway. And Kaito Kiyomiya, Kento Miyahara and Hiroshi Tanahashi against Keno Yuma Aoyagi and Kazuchika Okada. We've got Bushi Shingo and Naito against Yuma Anzai, Suwama and Yuji Nagata. we got Yoshihashi, Hiroki Goto and Tomohiro Ishii against... Yoshiki Inamura, Daiki Inaba, and Masa Kitamiya. So, I mean, a few of those names I'm familiar with. I'm sure it'll be an entertaining show, but I mean, it's not really worth something going into great depth with a preview. A review, on the other hand, you know, maybe we could uh, reach out to our friends at Voices of Wrestling who know a bit more about All Japan and Noah to, to help us out with that. But um, I mean, I suppose the most interesting thing about this is uh, there's no involvement from our current IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. There is no Sanada on this show, which uh, is a, a bit of a head-scratcher. But, um, yeah, that's all together again. Any thoughts on that? I don't know. I don't really have anything to say on it, really. I'm sure it'll be fun. But, uh, I mean, I don't th- I don't think anybody is expecting, uh, you know, walking out of the show and, the like, the world changing, <laughs> um, the pro wrestling world changing. Uh, I think it's going to be a... Fun show, as you can see, plenty of uh, multi-man tags that will be in the good to very good range, and that'll be that. Like there'll be, it'll be cool to see guys in the ring with one another that you may not have the opportunity to have seen ever, or would want to have seen ever. But uh, here we are. And uh, let's get excited. And uh, I'm sure we'll be reviewing a bit of it. All right, that's all then. So redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash J dash cast. We always appreciate the money that you guys send to us for uh, putting on this entertainment for you every week. If you want the Discord link, you can send me a direct message on Twitter or Discord, and I will share a link with you at Cobra Kawaii and prowrestlingtees.com forward slash super J cast for our T-shirts. Big thank you to Editor Dan. Find him on Twitter at LousyHero219. Subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling podcast network for other great shows, including uh, our friends over at uh, the Emerald Flow Show. They were probably doing a more comprehensive preview of this event than we have. Uh, give us a five-state review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at the SuperJCast. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and goodbye. Also, Yo had a skateboard. Hello there, everybody. It's me, Gary Kidney, the co-host of You've Got to Be Kidding Me on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And I am Liam Jones, my full name, and I am also a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network as a co-host for You've Got to Be Kidding Me. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. We cover all the drama, all the matches, all the Vince Russo nonsense you could ever want in your life. Have you you heard of TNA? I bet you have. But would it be funnier if two people made jokes over it the whole time? Probably. So if that sounds like fun to you, check it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network and Liam will do bits and whatnot.